You're listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Good morning. I hope you and your families are doing well this morning. There's a lot of you I haven't seen for weeks, probably months now, and uh, I have to say I miss you. I miss the gathering of believers on Sunday morning. Nothing gives me greater joy than uh, being gathered together with those who belong to the Lord Jesus. So I miss you. Our world has been turned upside down. Uh, There's probably not an area of life that hasn't been affected. If you have kids, they've been home from school. Uh, If you work outside of the home, uh, you may now be working inside of the home. If you're in business, your business may be turned upside down. Certainly future uncertain. And then uh, the recent social upheaval. I find myself wondering, as you perhaps do as well sometimes, when's the next shoe going to drop? Uh, But this morning early, as I had a little time to pray and prepare, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind a promise that Jesus gave his disciples. If you remember, he said, upon this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon this rock, that rock is Jesus. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I've thought about that term, gates of hell, in the past to try and figure out what does that mean. And I realize the gates are intended to hold territory and people. And we have an enemy of our souls who has taken territory, be it part of our lives or actual geography, but he certainly holds many people captive. But Jesus promises that the church will prevail against the gates of hell. That means the church is victorious, and you and I are part of the church So despite everything that's going on, we can have an attitude of mind and heart of victory. Not because of anything we can do, but because of who Jesus is. I want to thank those who read the portion of Scripture uh, that we have before us this morning. It's a large portion. We can't uh, go into every verse, and we won't. But today I want us to think about the church that Jesus started by choosing 12 men. They are the foundation. He is the chief cornerstone. He chose 12. He called them to himself. And then he commissioned him. And that's how our passage is divided up. Uh, Verses 12 through 19. He's calling disciples to himself. They're named individually, and then 20 through 36, he prepares them for the road ahead. He commissions them. As important as considering 
Jesus' calling and commissioning of the 12, I want us to think about our own calling. I want us to consider, have I actually heard the voice of Jesus? Is it real in my life? Is it genuine? Has my life changed since hearing the voice of Jesus in the Word of God? Those are good questions to ask yourself. The Apostle Peter cautions us about having a false sense of security, maybe calling ourselves Christians when we are not. So we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, before we get into the rest of the passage. If you have a Bible, turn there. Otherwise, the uh, verse will appear on screen. Second Peter 1, 10 through 11. Peter says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So hold, hold there, continue to look at these verses. Peter says, work hard to confirm Jesus' calling and choosing in your life. Work hard at that. Don't take it for granted. I believe we need to spend time in his word to have that confirmation. Peter is, is writing to Christians who've been scattered across the world, and he's concerned about their lifestyles, their lives. And he says, be even more diligent Work hard to confirm your call. Don't take it for granted. And then he says, when you're sure, when you reflect on what Jesus has done in your life, you'll be reminded that you've made this amazing, abundant entrance into the kingdom of God. It's here and now and future. Just a reminder, examine your heart your mind, and most importantly, your life. That, that's what Peter is saying to me, and be sure. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you heard his call through his word to enter into a relationship with him? Another Bible verse that uh, came to my mind, I want to read to you this morning, 1 Corinthians 1.9. This is the goal of his calling. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the goal of his calling is that we might enter into fellowship with his Son, the Lord Jesus. And that's a fellowship that begins here and now and extends through our life and into eternity to come. Those are the stakes, uh, life now and eternity to come. That's why Peter's uh, uh, reminding his hearers to be diligent, to make sure you've 
been called and chosen by God and through His Son. Each individual must hear His call and respond in faith. It, it cannot be because you were raised in the church. It can't be because your parents are Christians. So there may be uh, younger boys and girls listening today, and you know that your mom and dad are Christians. That doesn't make you a Christian. You personally, if you're 8 or 9 or 10 or 12 or 14 or 15 or older, need to hear his voice and respond in faith. Some of you maybe have heard of the group Hawk Nelson. I think I've heard of the group. I may have thought that was a first and last name. But last week on my news feed, an article caught my attention. The lead singer for this group, Hawk Nelson, who have been doing mostly Christian music in recent years, the lead singer, John Steingard, announced to the world in an Instagram post that he was no longer a believer. He no longer believed that there is a God. And he wrote these words, and these words will appear on the screen. Pay attention to them. Take a close look. Here's what he said. After growing up in a Christian home, being a pastor's kid, playing and singing in a Christian band, and having the word Christian in front of most of, things, most of the things in my life, I am now finding that I no longer believe in God. Wow. Uh, first of all, I appreciate his honesty, how hard that must have been to uh, declare before the world. Yeah, I've been in a Christian group. I've been singing Christian songs, but I've searched my heart. I don't believe in God. Had to be hard for his family and his friends and fellow band members to hear. I can relate. Uh, I have a son who, after he left home and lived a few years on his own, he and I engaged in a long conversation. I, I went to see him spend an evening. And during that conversation, he said to me, Dad, I, I really don't believe in God anymore. I believe that growing up in your home, though you've loved me, cared for me, I only heard one side of a view of the world, and that's as a Christian. I want to explore other religions. I want to make sure I wasn't brainwashed by everything Christian that I heard growing up. Well, that was very painful for me to hear. And I wanted to argue with him, but I knew it wouldn't do any good. So I listened to him. Uh, my heart was broken. Later, I wrote him a long letter where I assured him of my love for him and my desire to keep our relationship always fresh, always moving forward. And uh, years have gone by. He and I have a great relationship, but he's still searching. I think he's moved closer back uh, to uh, the Bible and, and uh, the reality of God. But it's an ongoing process. So I share that with you. 
as a hurt in my own life. But uh, Peter's admonition is real. We need to be honest. Now we can go back to today's scripture. Um, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. The commissioning, I just wanted to touch, touch on. We don't have time to go into it in detail. Jesus describes the difficult and challenging road ahead for those who would be his disciples. It was true for those guys. It's true for us today. Persecution, mistreatment, ultimately martyrdom, but loving and showing mercy. The great commission that Jesus gave his disciples called for counter-cultural living. And the only way to do it is by and through the power of the Holy Spirit. When I initially read through the text, some questions came to mind. Perhaps some of the same questions came to your mind. Why did Jesus spend the whole night in prayer? Who were these guys, the twelve? What was it like to be called by Jesus? And what did it cost them to say yes to Jesus? I think as we answer these questions, uh, for some of us there will be a way to relate uh, to these 12 that Jesus chose. Uh, verse, verses uh, 12 and 13, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. That's a key phrase, to himself. And from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. So that first question, why did Jesus spend the night in prayer? I think it's good for us to remember that at this point he had 70, 100, many more disciples than the 12 he would choose. And in prayer, his communion with the Father, he would understand that he was to pick 12 out of the many who were following him. And these 12 would be foundation builders. 12 tribes for Israel would be replaced by 12 apostles. And through prayer, I believe Jesus discerned the will of God and knew who God had singled out from the multitude to be the twelve. So spending that night in prayer was key to knowing the Father's will and choosing twelve specific men to be the foundation, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of the church that we rejoice to be a part of today. Second question, who were these guys? <clears throat> We've seen lots of pictures through the years of what they may have looked like. Several were fishermen, businessmen. One was a hated tax collector. One a zealot. He was a part-time terrorist against Rome. The others may be more nondescriptive. Certainly, they were men that I would not have chosen. But all in all, they were average, ordinary people called by an extraordinary 
extraordinary master named Jesus. And they were singled out by God, the Father, for an extraordinary mission. Average ordinary people called by an extraordinary master, singled out by God the Father for an extraordinary mission. A little insight further into these men happens in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they, the religious leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So the religious leaders apprehend the 12 disciples after Jesus had died on the cross, been buried, rose again, ascended into heaven. These guys are on mission. They're apprehended, and they're studied by the religious leaders of the day. And what did they do after hearing them? They marveled, and they realized that though they were uneducated and untrained, they had spent time with Jesus they were educated and trained by him. A third question, what was it like to be called by Jesus? There's a parallel passage in Mark, Mark's gospel, Mark 3, 13 through 15. I'll read it. And when he, and he, Jesus, went up the mountain and called to him, notice that key phrase, those he himself wanted. And they came to him. And then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. So he called them into communion with him before commission. His voice was irresistible. His voice for these men was undeniably the voice of God. His voice shut out all the noise of the world around them, and his voice caused their hearts to beat faster. As these men heard the call, unmistakably knew it was the voice of God, they said, yes. And they obeyed and they followed Jesus. And that's the last question. What did it cost these men? Mark 3, 6 says that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, wanted to kill Jesus. Now, these were uh, leaders known by the disciples. So if you're beginning to follow Jesus and you hear the religious leaders of the day whom you respect saying things like, we've got to get him, we're going to kill him, certainly it would give you a second thought. Mark 3.21 says that Jesus' own family said he's out of his mind. I don't know about you, but if his own family rejects him and says he's out of his mind, it would give me second thoughts about following Jesus. And then finally, Mark 3.22 says that the scribes said, he is demon-possessed. If the first two weren't enough, 
certainly that would give me pause in following Jesus. And I want you to keep in mind that when you follow Jesus, you will be criticized. Nevertheless, these 12 stood by Jesus to the cross. After his resurrection, they endured hardships unimaginable. Most died as martyrs. It's pretty simple. They heard his call, and they came to him, and afterwards went out into the world to tell everyone they came in contact with about him. So in concluding, I want us to know certainly that Jesus is still calling people to himself. Sadly, not everyone hears his voice. 1 Corinthians 1, 26, Paul says this, For you see your calling, brethren, brothers and sisters, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So if you stop and think about all your heroes in the world today, maybe it's sports figures, maybe it's actors, actresses, um, maybe in the academic world you have your heroes, uh, there's philosophers who've changed the world. Paul says that out of this huge group of mighty, noble, and wise, just a few are called. That reminds me that not everyone is called. That's a sobering truth, a sobering reality. So I'll ask one more time, how about you this morning? Have you heard his voice? Have you heard him speaking to you through his word? I want to look at the process one more time, his calling that leads to commission and break it down just a little bit. We saw in Peter's life that when Jesus called him, he fell at Jesus' knees weeping, saying, I'm a sinful man. In other words, what do you have to do with me? So calling first leads us to confession. It was true for me at 18 years of age. I'd given up on being right with God. As a kid, I, I feel like I had an unusual sensitivity to sin and wrongdoing. I tried hard to obey my parents, but I knew when I didn't. I tried hard to treat my brothers and sisters well, but I knew when I didn't. And so I struggled with the fact that Things weren't right in my life. As I got a little older and heard God's commandments at church, I tried hard to obey them, but I was unsuccessful. So at 18 years of age, I'd given up on trying to be right with God, and that's when someone took time to share with me God's word after asking me the question, Greg, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? I said, I don't know. I hope heaven. 
He said, you can know for sure. And he opened up God's word. And he went straight to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I realized that my whole life up till then, up to giving up, I was trying to make myself right in God's sight. I knew then and there that I was wrong, that I was still in my sin. I could never be right in God's sight. And he explained to me how Jesus had gone to the cross and taken all my sins upon him and paid the price in full. And I could be forgiven. I could be given a new start. I could be right with God, not because of anything I could do, but because of what Jesus had done for me. And I wept. But that night, I asked Jesus to come into my life, forgive me of my sin, and make me right in God's sight. And he did. And life was set on a whole new trajectory. Trajectory. So calling leads to confession. Confession is what opens the door to communion. I'm not talking about bread and juice. I'm talking about union with the Lord Jesus himself. Mark 3.13, we're reminded, says Jesus went up on the mountain and he called to him those he himself wanted and they came to him. That's union. James 4.8 says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. That's an amazing promise. If we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. And we'll have union with him, communion through Jesus. And finally, time spent with Jesus compels us to mission. That's commission. With him, commission. Obedience to his commands. Communion prepares us for commission. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Calling, confession, communion, and commission. And one other divine action, just to remind you of or inform you of this morning, Ephesians 1, 4 says that God chose us in him God the Father choosing us in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's an amazing, amazing thing to me. Before time began, God the Father chose those who would hear the call of Jesus and become adopted sons and daughters, to the praise of the glory of his grace. That makes me want to fall down and worship him for his amazing plan, which began for me and for you who've heard his call before the foundation of the world. The Father chooses before the foundation of the world. The Son of God, Jesus, calls into relationship with him. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, and the sinner confesses, and then the Son of God draws the sinner into union with himself, and that's what I'm calling communion. 
the Son of God then sends the transformed sinner into mission with himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your indescribable plan for us that began before the foundation of the world. Thank you, Jesus, that you are still calling men and women, boys and girls, into relationship with you. And I want to pray for that one this morning who's been uncertain. Do I belong to God through the Lord Jesus? And I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would convict and bring truth through your word to that one struggling. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Greg, thank you so much. Great job this morning. Thank you for sharing your story, too. My story goes back 41 years. How many years for you, sir? 45. Okay, he's a little older than me. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, thank the Lord for that. Well, what a treat. And just so you know, those of you who are worshiping, certainly with West Wind and beyond, uh, as the summer uh, moves forward, we're going to hear from more of our elders. And you can see that these are men who love God, love his word, and certainly just sharing their, their story, the truth, their hearts. And we're just going to look forward to that as the summer moves forward. Uh, one of the things we're always encouraging at, uh, at the close of our service is what we call sacred space. Mm -hmm. And so we would love to hear from you how God spoke to you this morning. Do you have prayer requests? We're very uh, desirous of hearing your heart and what, it, what God is doing and how we can pray for you, whether you go to our website, westwindchurch.org, <clears throat> post those prayers, or through the chat room. We certainly want to be with you. So once again, thank you for being with us. May God bless you. Have a wonderful day in our Lord.